0: It's me, Colonel Sanders. (coughs) I've been going for a while, and boy, howdy, have things changed. Nowadays, you got your International Space Station, your double-sided tape, your cargo pants. You seen these pants? That's too many pockets. But what you don't always seem to have these days is my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, I'm here to change that, folks. I'm here to make sure my chicken's still as tasty and delicious as it ever was. I'm Colonel Sanders. And I'm back, America.
1: I'm back, America! It's still finger licking good.
0: Mmm. Here comes the rundown. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Rundown. The Rundown. Episode 7. So what's going on this week, man? How are you doing? Things are going well. It's Wednesday, hump day, working towards that weekend.
0: Yeah. You know who really looks forward to the weekend? Who's that? People that hate what they do during the week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyways. On to the next thing. Yeah. So I wanted to go into the mailbag here, and a couple of you guys have written in lately asking about a couple of peak performance ideas or thoughts. John in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, John. Uh, we're talking about if you want some sort of pick-me-up during the morning how do you really get the day going other than, uh, yeah, other than snorting lines and <laughs> yeah, right? uh, human chargers. But he mentioned something that I have prescribed to for quite a while now, and that is caffeine. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful with caffeine, right? How much of it right. you take
1: in. Right, And but and when,
0: where you're getting it from. Where you're getting it from, absolutely. So if you do it in coffee... That's an extremely healthy source of caffeine. Really,
1: compared to like well, I mean, coffee,
0: co- coffee's just super healthy. If you do, th- if you look at the scientific studies, especially more and more is coming out on that nowadays about your heart and your brain and your mm-hmm. mind, even uh, all the way down to the to the level of like dementia, Alzheimer's, those sort of things. Drinking right. two, three cups of coffee a day. But I don't know. For some people, that makes them extremely jittery. Mm-hmm. I've never felt that way before. I can go to Starbucks and have a venti espresso with five or six shots and then come in the office and drink another cup of coffee. I don't advise that to anybody, but <laughs> if I ever do that, I'm not jittery. Mm-hmm. Some people say, man, I'd be laying in the floor, or bouncing off the wall, shaking all around if you tend to get a little bit jittery, but you still want to get that caffeine kick in the morning, you guys need to do what John is suggesting here and taking some L-theanine. So what that's going to do is it's going to take that buzz away. It's going to take all those those jitters away, huh. and it's going to leave you with more of the focusing aspects and the energetic aspects of coffee instead of the, the wired up. L-theanine, guys, will take care of that. So you can actually take Caffeine pills that have caffeine and L-theanine. Normally, those come in two hundred milligrams per pill. Mm. So you can get the effects of coffee. You're not getting the the healthy the healthy effects of coffee, but you're getting the effects of coffee without all of the jitters. If you do it in a caffeine pill with L-theanine, or you can do you can actually drink coffee, which would be my suggestion rather than taking the pills. But either way, you know, I mean. There's some people that are going through the airport or they're traveling Mm -hmm. and they just can't, you know, can't get down 70 gates away to the Starbucks and there's a line out the door and they're like, you know what, if I'm traveling, I'm just going to get caffeine pills with L-theanine built into it. Mm -hmm. If I'm at home, I'll take some L-theanine by itself and drink my coffee for the health benefits. Right. So I'd encourage you guys to do that. One other thing that I was talking about before was building testosterone. And I think most people think this applies only to guys. But believe it or not, females build testosterone as well. If nothing else, it converts to energy for for the females out there. But for guys, it converts to muscle. It converts to, I mean, even down to the levels of brain matter when you're building testosterone. I've read a lot of things. I've studied a lot of things. And in order to build testosterone, there's a ton of different ways to do it. Some are more complex than others. But really what has worked for me over time is heavy lifting and exercise. Right. Cold showers. Cold showers? Cold showers. Oh, man. I know you're a little new to the podcast here, Success 101 podcast, but I've talked about cold showers for a long time. Okay. What's better if you can do it is to do like plunge pools, like cold plunge pools if you have a club or a gym or something Mm -hmm. like that that you go to. Normally, those are going to be heated, though, when you go there. Right. But the easiest thing to do is for those of you trying to get used to cold showers, just the last 30 seconds of your shower, turn it to as cold as the faucet will go.
1: Oh, boy. Do it
0: for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <is> George Costanza. <laughs> it was cold water. It was cold water. It's cold outside. <laughs> but what it does is it builds up your cells, your mitochondria. It makes you resilient to that. And then you'll notice that you can go for a minute, you can go for two minutes, you can take your whole shower after you do it long enough, and it literally doesn't even affect you. So that's cold showers, sleeping eight hours a day, Mm -hmm. eating good fats, high quality fats like is in Ample, who sponsors Mm -hmm. this podcast.
1: Ample. And the
0: success101podcast.com forward slash Ample, that's A-M-P-L-E, enter success101 in the checkout code grab your awesome meal replacement drink from the guys over at Ample that have created this awesome thing. It's got a huge amount of high quality fats that your brain and body need each day, intermittent fasting, and trying to stay away from sugar. And then lastly, this is from Brandy in Florida. She wrote in saying, I've heard a lot about activated charcoal I've heard there's some pros and cons to it. The only con that I know of to activated charcoal is possible. It burns
1: your chicken when you (laughs) throw it on top.
0: Possible constipation. And I'm not not joking. If you take too much of it, it could cause that. Now, I haven't had that experience. I've taken tons of it multiple days in a row, and it has the opposite effect on me. (laughs) So guys, what activated charcoal does, if you guys haven't checked this out yet, and the best kind to get is organic coconut activated charcoal, but what it does is it binds all the free radicals in your body. So if you're out eating poorly, if you're drinking, if there's anything you're doing that's going to make you feel sluggish, you've got to take activated charcoal. And what I would recommend guys is to take about three or four pills before you head out to dinner. If you know you're going to be going out eating some fried food, especially, or drinking alcohol, take three or four pills before you go out to dinner, take three or four more before you go to bed The next day, you'll start using the restroom. It'll be a little bit black. The day after that, you're basically pooping tar. Oh, boy. And it's taking all of that and just sucking it right out of you. Like I said, it binds to those free radicals in your body. It's like (sighs) a cleanse or... No, it's not a cleanse. It's just uh, benzenite clay and activated charcoal, those things all bind to things in your body and just well, pull it right out.
1: Why is it tar coming out the business end?
0: Well, because, I mean, just think of these capsules
1: of charcoal. I mean, right. if you break
0: them open, you can even put them on your toothbrush and brush your teeth, and it gives you that like, freshness. That's not the first thing feeling. I do
1: with charcoal, i got to be honest.
0: Uh, well, I didn't either until I read about it. But, okay. Uh, a year or two ago, I started putting it on my toothbrush every now and then a couple times a month, I'll put it on there. It leaves your teeth with like literally that fresh from the dentist feeling to where you walk away going, man, my teeth haven't been cleaned like that before, except when I've been to the dentist. I mean, it, it looks horrible on your teeth until you mm, wash yeah. it out, but there's really not a taste to it. You would, I mean, you would think eating charcoal would be bad. There's really not a taste to it. So you can just go check it out. Bulletproof, coconut activated charcoal is some of the best out there. But, I mean, don't take my word for it. Go do the research on it. But I know for me, if I'm ever going to be out eating, drinking in a way that I know is going to bring me down a little bit or make me feel a little bit sluggish, I'll pop some activated charcoal. And it is just, uh, I mean, like I said, it's not a its not a cleanse, but I guess you could call it that. It just binds to all that crap in your body and turns it into, <laughs> I guess, turns it into more crap. As more you, crap. It's a great tool to add into your daily biohacking routine.
1: I just feel like rubbing charcoal on my teeth, like that makes me... Imagine myself as Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins when he's a chimney sweeper, <laughs> yes. Chim- just covered in it, yeah. all the crap. Like that's that's probably what it feels like. Taking the bristle that he uses to clean the uh, yeah. chimney and scrubbing my no, teeth. No, I mean it. that's
0: what your teeth will look like. Uh, but you feel great. You feel great after you do it. So go check that out. Thanks so much for you guys writing in, and we're going to be going to the mailbag a little bit more. we kind of gotten away from that a little bit, even though people continued to write in. There was just so many emails coming in that we couldn't really get through all of them to make it relevant. But I thought, you know what? If you guys are taking the time to write in, I'm going to start talking about it on the show. Send us an email to info at success101podcast.com. And if you've got a relevant success tip, biohacking tip, peak performance tip, anything that you can use to go out and crush the day, we might talk about you online. So keep writing in.
1: Well, Jared, I got a story for you today. What would a podcast with Bo be without a story? Not a podcast. No. Nah. No, not at all. Let's go harland david sanders was born on september 9th like colonel sanders oh i don't know about that is that where we're going with this i don't know about that okay i'm i'm listening (laughs) didn't make it literally three words into the damn podcast (laughs) you can't pull a fast one over on me boy oh chicken (laughs) i'm i'm so pissed Harlan David Sanders was born on September ninth eighteen ninety in a four bedroom house located three miles east of Henryville Indiana okay her, uh, what year did you say? 1890. 1890. Four 1890, bedroom. Okay. Yeah, four, well, I'm sorry, four-room house. I did say four-bedroom, but it's four-room <laughs> okay, house. Okay, there's a big difference there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got a living room here. We got a
0: garage over there. We got a <laughs> sitting area over here, and uh, I don't know where we're going to sleep. We're.
1: Yeah, pretty much, right? So a four-room house. I thought they were pretty well off, and it sounds like they're actually pretty poor. yeah pretty much Harlan was the oldest of three children born to Wilbur David and Margaret Sanders. His father was a mild and affectionate man who worked his 80 acre farm until he broke his leg after a fall. Okay. So he breaks his leg and he can't farm anymore excuses. Yeah. What? a. I mean, he's not a horse. No, he's not. It's not like someone pulled the shotgun.
0: (laughs) I'm sure going to miss you. Pa. Well, that horse's leg is gone. Might as well go get the shotgun.
1: Yeah. He then worked as a butcher in Henryville for two years. Harlan's mother was a devout Christian and strict parent, continuously warning her children of the evils of alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and whistling on Sundays. Whistling? (laughs) (laughs) I whistle all the time. Who doesn't want a good whistle on Sundays? No. (sighs) Sometimes I whistle because it's a Sundays. Is mom around anywhere? I don't see her coming. (laughs) Hey! Ah! Ah! (laughs) was whistling. Was that you? (laughs) Nope.
0: Sound like a whistle from you. Nope. You know I wouldn't do that on a Sunday. Mm. Wait, was it just Sundays or was
1: it any day? Just Sundays. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, it makes I knew sense. you're not supposed to work on Sundays according to super Christian. Thou shalt not following?: die,
0: cheat, steal, or whistle on Sundays. <laughs> thus say the law.
1: <laughs> so no Chick Fil A and no whistling on Sundays. Yeah, oh, man, that's it. We've really got to change this. When Harlan was five, his father came home one summer day with a fever. And died later that night. Harlan's dad doesn't seem very tough so far in this story. No. And he I came home with a fever. Came home, by the way. Where was he that he came home with a fever and then died that night? Probably out whistling and then the devil died. <laughs> <laughs> Harlan's mother was forced to find a job and obtained work in a tomato cannery. The young Harlan was required to look after and cook for his siblings. And he's only like six seven years old Man, something like what, that right I mean, now. what are you cooking at seven years old I, I don't know I didn't yeah, get he, information on that I could probably heat
0: up some hot dog buns at that age but yeah, that's about it you're not I, getting a whole lot more out of me than that I, no, well, not even I that mean, good dad's not even around to provide for him
1: because he's no. getting fevers and dying breaking legs and- breaking legs getting fevers and dying and whistling on Sundays when he was 10 Sanders began to work as a farmhand to bring extra money home to his family in 1902, Harlan's mother remarried to William Brodus, and the family moved to Greenwood, Indiana. Okay. So that's 1902. Harlan and his stepfather did not get along very well at all. At age 13, Harlan dropped out of seventh grade saying, Algebra is what drove me off. <laughs> Algebra. <laughs> <laughs> Algebra is what drove me off. Algebra. At seventh grade, he decided, this ain't for me. (laughs) I don't know what I'd learn if I were to stay here, but right now this thing's a deal breaker, this algebra here. Algebra. At age 16, with his mother's permission, Harlan moved to New Albany, Indiana to live with his uncle who had scored him a job as a conductor at a streetcar company. Okay. Cool, right?
0: Sounds like it. I I do Not really. I mean,
1: I don't really know what they did, but. (laughs) Not really. I don't know what I'd want to go do. I don't know if I'd move to Indiana to be a conductor. His dad was just so, uh, I guess, so soft that
0: it just led him down a life of doing a whole bunch of nothing, it sounds like.
1: He might have just been looking for a father figure and found his uncle who said, Ah, you can be a conductor if you come up here. He's like, oh, okay. I'll do anything if anybody will love me. The next year was full of little events for young Harlan from 1906 to 1907, so like between 16 and 17 years old. Harlan, one, lied about his age to enlist in the U.S. Army. Then he served as a wagoner in Cuba. He was honorably discharged from the Army. He moved to Sheffield, Alabama, and worked as a blacksmith's helper for two months. And then he moved to Jasper, Alabama to work on a train shoveling ash and eventually was promoted to a fireman on the train. Which by the way, <laughs> firemen, not firemen you're thinking about where he runs and puts out buildings. Okay. The fireman whose job it is on the actual train to stoke the, the fire.
0: Like an engineer conductor almost on a train you kind he of does that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So he's sticking to trains right he you will come to find that he likes the railroad. And this is all by the age of seventeen. So this dude just had like so five jobs. In a year. I mean, he's been to like thirty different places. I mean, he's averaging like a, a job every two months. It's like a
0: Forrest Gump movie. I mean, by the end of this thing, he's going to have done everything and gone to the moon. <laughs> I really liked the lunar landing. It was lots of fun being weightless. I was shoveling. I think I'll go home. <laughs> in- Where is home? I don't know. I've
1: lived about everywhere. In 1909, Harlan Sanders met Josephine King while working on the railroad, and they were married shortly after. Together, they had three children, Harlan Jr., Margaret... And Mildred, which is the worst. I love these names. <laughs> worst name. But Mildred. probably pretty hip. Their version of Twilight had just come out, and the main <laughs> character's name was Mildred. Everybody was being named Mildred but th- at that time.
0: That woman in the Charlie Chaplin silent movie. It said, <laughs> it
1: said her name was Mildred. Yeah, subtitles said her name was Mildred. And everybody kind of leaned back for a second and went, I like that name. That's a cute name. I want to <laughs> name our daughter that name. We ought to name our daughter Mildred. We will when we have one. I love you. I want a Mildred. Let's go have one now. <laughs> Harlan found work on the Illinois Central Railroad and moved his family to Jackson, Tennessee. There he began studying law after work hours when oh, his law. family went to bed. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. We just made a giant uh, jump here. You know, I've been doing a lot of things in my life and I've been thinking lately, law needs to be one of them. <laughs> I was wagging in and I was a farming in. And I was a uh, train man, fireman in. I've moved in. around
0: enough and seen most of the country that law needs to be in my vocabulary.
1: <laughs> I will be a lawman. man. But honestly, respect, because he's studying law from, like, books after working hours, which train shifts, they gotta be long, right? I mean, you're on there oh, during oh, the right. entirety of the freight. Right, I mean, I know. I, I have no idea how <laughs> long train- <laughs> Well, you, I thought you were a train guy. I, well, no. <laughs> that video you showed me Hell. on Sunday, something, something different. <laughs> <laughs> That looked like you were a train guy. Yeah, so dude. Bo's referring to the James Corden video
0: with the uh, guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. If you guys haven't <laughs> looked up that video yet, it's just behind that door.
1: What is my playroom? I like your, your Xbox and stuff. It's
0: important that you know you can leave at any time. Call me Signal Master. Yes, Signal Master. <laughs> It probably be well. well you worth put your the time.
1: damn hat and the uh, bandana on on me <laughs> and the overalls. Yeah, Mm-hmm. we were acting it out. <laughs> <laughs> now, something you should know about young Harland is that he liked to swear. Okay, a lot. Okay, a lot. And fighting, he loved to fight. What's well, a good law, man, if you don't cuss every now and then? He never forgot the Christian uh, teachings that his mother <laughs> course, had given him. Of course. I like to swear. I like to fight. But I will never leave But Jesus never his side. on Sunday.
0: <laughs> no whistling <laughs> either.
1: Never, never on Sunday. He was described as... Dear Lord
0: Jesus, you know I like to swear. And you know I like to fight. It's just in my blood. But I promise I'll never leave your side.
1: <laughs> he was described as, quote, a servant of God with a nasty mouth and a willingness to pummel a man with a chair. <laughs> Is that not amazing? What a great description. I wish I were described as that. Yeah, he's that man a man had the devil in him. I
0: had to pick up that chair and hit him.
1: <laughs> that guy, he worships God like freaking crazy, but he will not be afraid to break a chair over your head. That's what you call a Jesus radical. <laughs> Harlan was quoted later in life saying, I used to cuss the prettiest you ever heard. <laughs> I did my cussing before a woman and anybody else, but somehow nobody took offense. And I love Jesus. Harlan lost his job working on the railroad after he got into a brawl with a colleague. So I don't know what fight it was that ignited that, but at the railroad,
0: involved a chair over somebody's head,
1: <laughs> probably. But uh, he got into a fight with a colleague and was canned from the railroad. I feel like back then everybody fought everybody, though. You had to be, yeah. I mean, you had to do something really bad to get fired. Out of a job, Harlan had his wife take the children to live with her parents while he moved to Little Rock in search of work. What? You know, Little, uh, Little Rock being the most opportune
0: well, maybe place. Well, I mean, maybe back then it
1: was. I just think it's funny that, no. like,
0: I'm in this adverse situation. Why don't y'all just
1: get on out of here, and I'll go somewhere totally different and go find work. There he found a job first on another railroad, but after some time he began to practice law. He made enough in legal fees to move his family to Little Rock, and they lived peacefully for three years. I was wondering when you were going to get back to this whole law thing, because mm-hmm. you mentioned it about 10 minutes ago. Oh, the dude. he's been doing, like, train fighting yeah. and other stuff, so. Well, he had to study up on the law. Take the bar, you know. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It takes a while. The law and the loud. It's not like a video course. You can jump on, like, defensive driving when you get a ticket or something. I'm... I feel like back then it kind of was. Probably. After three years, Harlan got into a fight with a client in the courtroom, and he lost his job yeah, doing that, again. too. That's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. He's now been disbarred in uh, Little Rock and cannot practice law. Because he had no fight with his client, by the way. <laughs> with his client. Since I was a boy, I haven't
0: been able to whistle on Sunday's house. Am I going to get all this rage out of me? <laughs>
1: In 1920, Harland established a ferry boat company on the Ohio River between Jeffersonville and Louisville. I've done a lot of things, but I've never done some ferry boating, and I've
0: been thinking about getting into that lately. (laughs) Can't do law anymore. Can't run the railroad anymore. Can't cook for my family anymore. I run a riverboat. (laughs) The uh,
1: ferry was an instant success, by the way. I mean, that's how all of his stories start out, if you haven't noticed Just wait. He can't get fired because he started this company. Well,
0: he'll fire himself by not
1: making any money. Let's see. He took the company public to raise some funds and actually became a minority shareholder himself and was then appointed as secretary of the company. How does this guy know how to do all these things? Dude, I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. He left home to go to work at 10. From basically what I was reading, it's not that he was fired in most of his jobs. It's that he just got bored and wanted to do something else. And he wanted to fight and cuss pretty. Yeah, fight, cuss pretty. The next year, he was also appointed secretary of the Chamber of commerce in columbus ohio but so he's basically the secretary of two jobs now one at his very company and now he's chamber of commerce well, of secretary course, back
0: then you didn't have to tell people what a failure you've been in all the other states you've lived in you <laughs> could literally show up in a new town and go i've been the president before and everybody would just <laughs> believe you and give you well jobs there's no and,
1: internet so we must not I be mean, lying i mean yeah yeah i mean talk about a new start over you could really do it well back then however he resigned uh after less than a year at the job admitting He wasn't very good at his job. That's what he said, but I think what he really meant was, I don't like staying in places very long. (laughs) So basically what we have is a guy here who likes to change his job as often as he does his underwear. Oh, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I I couldn't pick that up from the rest of the story. Yeah. So Harlan cashed in his ferry boat company shares for about $22,000, which today would be worth (whistles) $316,000. Yeah. Glad it's not Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, He used the money to establish a company manufacturing acetylene lamps. Oh, sure.
0: I've never done anything in that. I don't know anything about it, but let's start a business. Uh,
1: The company failed almost immediately after another company named Delco introduced an electric lamp that it sold on credit. I would have made it out if it wasn't for you darn kids and that electricity. (laughs) (laughs) He moved to Kentucky and had a brief stint working for the Michelin Tire Company until they closed down the New Jersey (laughs) manufacturing plant. The I mean, dude went from owning a lamp company to working at a tire shop. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, rewind the podcast. Listen back to how many other things, <laughs> random things you've read that he it's, I mean, Seriously, through. he cannot find his calling, but it is not from a lack of trying. A for effort. Yeah. Around this time, Harlan met the GM for Standard Oil of Kentucky, who asked him to run one of their service stations. So he meets the GM of Standard Oil, which was later bought and became Chevron. Yeah, who hires him to run his like one of the gas stations? And I did that for a while until I became a marine biologist (laughs) in 1930, which was six years later after he was you know running the station. Here it comes! Here it comes! The service station was actually closed down due to the Great Depression. Okay, so not fired, not bored. Well, it, it would have happened. It. He got laid off, basically. Yeah, the depression saved him from being fired. Now, a competitor, the Shell Oil Company, which I don't think I need to tell you who that is. Mm, No. No. Uh, They asked Harlan to run a service station in North Corbin, Kentucky, rent-free, in exchange for paying the company a percentage of sales. Okay. Okay. Then I decided to go to medical school. (laughs) (laughs) To increase his revenues, because he has to share a percentage with Shell. Harlan began serving homemade dishes, such as steaks, country ham, and chicken, from the dining table in his living quarters right next to the gas station. That's when I became a sous chef. Speaking of which, I was just on the hunting trip last week, and I learned there's a completely different way to cook sous vide. You ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. Dude, I'd never heard of this. Well, thanks for living under a rock. Seriously, I had no idea. And he says, yeah, I cook all of my stuff. Sous-Vide now, which sounded kind of pretentious, but at the same time, interesting. I've heard it
0: pronounced sous before. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Maybe you know better than he does. Maybe
0: you can come on over to my
1: house sometime and I'll cook you something. Eventually, he turned the gas station into a small kitchen, naming it Sanders Court and Cafe. Harlan would paint advertisements and signs on the sides of barns to attract business to his location from the highway. Then I became an artist.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I could draw things and paint things.
1: (laughs) Matt Stewart was a rival competitor that owned a nearby Standard Oil gas station. So Standard Oil was the previous employer he worked for. Mm -hmm. And this dude who runs a Standard Oil gas station is getting upset because he's doing these huge advertisements. And he's like, well, he's going to suck all the money away from me and it's all going to go to him. So he would repaint his own ads over Harlan's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of
1: course. Uh, does he know that he's about to get a chair smashed over his head? Harlan threatened Stewart, saying that if he caught him again, he'd quote blow his (laughs) head off. (laughs) I think to him that's cussing the prettiest you ever heard. One day, Harlan was tipped off that Matt Stewart was in the middle of painting over one of Harlan's masterpieces.
0: Hey, he's over there painting over your sign again. You got a chair? Grab it and go
1: get him. So, Harland and two Shell executives rushed to the scene to confront Stewart, and they were both, they were all, all three of them heavily armed.
0: Armed with what?
1: The collapsible chairs. (laughs) (laughs) When confronted, Stewart dropped his paintbrush and pulled out a gun of his own. A shootout began, and Stewart ended up killing Robert Gibson, one of the Shell execs. Oh my gosh, that escalated
0: quickly. It really did.
1: Just for painting over a sign. Harland then put a bullet in Stewart's shoulder, wounding him and ending the gunfight. Stewart was sentenced to 18 years in prison for murder, leaving all control of the gas station market in the area to Harlan Sanders. <laughs> this is such a bizarre story. Right? Isn't that not crazy? Harlan was well-liked in the area. During his time in Corbin... He well, he was well-liked because people do they get a chair upside the head if they mess with you No, we promise
0: we like you. Or, <laughs> yeah. he'd, no, blow their, like or you. he'd blow their head off.
1: That's right. No, we promise we like Don't you. Don't mess with that young man. He's I, trouble. I think what it was is like... You know, he was super really involved in the community. You know, his his gas station and cooking, it's becoming popular. But also, he even delivered babies in Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Probably not a whole lot in Corbin, Kentucky during this time. That's when I became
0: a gynecologist. <laughs> Funniest thing happened this week. I got a telegram from Herbert Hoover. <laughs> Apparently, they're trying to do a new space mission, and they want me to
1: be their lead astronaut. <laughs> Were they talking about space back then when Hoover's in... They asked me, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) His local popularity grew, and with the increasing tourism and high demand for his cooking, Harlan bought the motel and restaurant across the street in 1940. Sure, because he knows all about motel management. Now he's a motel owner. He began experimenting with his cooking techniques and eventually perfected a way of frying chicken in a pressure cooker. By 1947, Harlan had taken up a mistress, Claudia Leddington. His wife had left him eight years earlier when Harlan Jr. had died from infected Well, no wonder he has a – if your
0: wife left you eight years earlier, is that really a mistress that you have or is that like your new girlfriend? Pretty much.
1: She left him, but they weren't officially divorced. It wasn't documented on paper. So Josephine and Harlan were officially divorced by late 1947, and he married Claudia in 1949. In 1950, after putting North Corbin, Kentucky on the map, Governor Lawrence Weatherby, a good friend of Harlan's, recognized him publicly for, quote, his outstanding service to his community. He was given the title Kentucky Colonel. (laughs) Harlan traded in his apron for a white suit to better hide the flower stains in the kitchen, and his friends started calling him Colonel Sanders, first as a joke, but after a while, in true earnest and respect. For the next two years... The Colonel perfected the famous 11 Herbs and Spices recipe, and his legend continued to grow. So it was 11 Herbs and Spices even back then. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was some new made-up marketing thing that they used. Nope. Pete Harmon, a friend of the Colonel's, was the owner of the largest restaurant in Salt Lake City, Utah. He convinced Sanders to franchise him the recipe for the fried chicken in 1952. He agreed, and in the first year, the restaurant more than tripled its sales with 75% of the increase, coming from just the sale of fried chicken. Harmon hired a sign painter to advertise the chicken, and the term Kentucky Fried Chicken was born. So Kentucky Fried Chicken in Utah became a really popular dish at these other restaurants, and it, made, it set Harmon's restaurant apart from everybody else in the, in the area. People wanted that Southern comfort feel. Yeah, I mean, they they probably didn't have any other food. They they had they had nothing like that. I don't even think they knew what fried chicken was. They probably wasn't that good in Utah. Just, We have nothing else. <laughs> Doesn't this taste
0: amazing? It's our one meal for the week that we get to have. That's <laughs> <Man>, amazing.
1: <laughs> so around the same time in 1952, Sanders was forced to close his restaurant down due to reduced foot traffic, thanks to the newly finished highway I-75. People are taking that highway as opposed to what they were taking. They're not seeing the signs on the side of the barns, so they're not. Not a lot of foot traffic. So, even if someone else paints over them, it doesn't matter because no that's one's right. seeing them. He had only what was inside his savings and was at that time receiving, because he was 65, $105 a month from the government for Social Security. I think that's still what they pay out these days, too. Or less. Or less. $105. After encouragement from Claudia, Sanders decided to travel across the country and search for restaurants that he could franchise his chicken recipe to. In 1959, Sanders and Claudia opened their new company headquarters and restaurant in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Sanders spent his days driving his Ford across the country, often sleeping in the back of his car. You would think that he could afford a little bit more. Uh, not just on that social security. Being Colonel Wait. Sanders. <laughs> he would visit restaurants and offer to cook his chicken for the owners. I actually put cook his children on accident. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to auto-correct in my head. That recipe. boy didn't die of tonsil disease.
0: <laughs> his daddy cooked him. At least you're removing the skin. That's
1: where all the fat is. That's where all the taste is. If that, was how he, out if that was how he accidentally found out the eleven herbs and spices, <laughs> herbs, the eleven herbs and spices. Mix. I would have
0: never found out how that golden <laughs> chicken recipe would work out if I didn't try it
1: on human flesh. <laughs> if they liked the recipe, he would negotiate the franchise rights with the owners. So he's
0: there's not like they're opening hey boy, up. hey boy, you you like what you're eating over there? You like that? You want a little I, bit more of
1: that? I, I do. Won't you man up by the rights? You can't just tell me the recipe? I'm about to break a chair over your head. I'll buy it. What is it? I'll I'm do colonel it. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> you look like a colonel. <laughs> Soon restaurant owners would start visiting him instead to ask for franchise rights. Claudia would mix and ship the spices to restaurants. And I guess that what that means is like they still wouldn't let the recipe out because the recipe is secret. Like Mm -mm. No one knows the recipe. They're mixing the spices and the herbs and all 11 of them at the headquarters, and they're shipping them out to the restaurant. Man finds out my recipe, I'll blow his head off. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, the colonel had struck gold after so many attempts and failures. KFC was one of the first fast food chains to expand internationally, opening outlets in Canada and later in the U.K., Mexico and Jamaica by the mid 1960s Jamaica. Jamaica man
0: man it's funny whenever I got to go to Tokyo we traveled over there
1: there were more KFCs than oh my anything gosh. over there that I saw more KFCs yep Sanders obtained a patent protecting his method of pressure frying chicken in 1962 and also trademarked the wait. phrase oh, wait hang on hang yeah on. you patent a method of cooking yeah
0: I'm going to stick these potatoes in the oven. Anybody else (laughs) that sticks potatoes in an oven,
1: they're copying me and they owe me money. It's like patenting a certain way to breathe. I breathe in. I patent that. Anyone else who <laughs> breathes in, you owe me money. They also trademarked the phrase, it's finger licking good. So that. 1963. So that even spanned back. Yeah, in 1963, long. it's finger licking good. Wow. The company's rapid expansion to more than 600 locations became overwhelming for the aging Sanders. Yeah, I was going to say, is he still alive at this point? Well, in 1964, which he's 73 at this time. He sold the Kentucky Fried Chicken Corporation for $2 million. $2 million. $2 million. You're like a Kentucky Fried idiot. I mean, how often can you drive more than 15 minutes without seeing a KFC? And a Taco Bell beside it. Very Are true. To it. Sanders became a salaried brand ambassador and moved to Ontario, where he would oversee his Canadian franchises. He retained much influence over executives and franchisees who respected his culinary expertise and, quote, the force and variety of his swearing. But he would go into these swearing fits when a restaurant varied from what executives described as the colonel's chicken.
0: I said I wanted golden chicken. <laughs> That's brown chicken.
1: <laughs> One change the company made under new ownership was the gravy, which Standard has al- had always bragged about as so good that, quote, it'll make you throw away the darn chicken and just eat the gravy.
0: A gravy? <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken gravy. No way. A hot tub full of KFC gravy, Cal. Did you ever think you would
1: see that in your (laughs) lifetime? The company simplified to reduce time and cost. He criticized the new ownership's money-grubbing practices saying, quote, My God, that gravy is horrible. And then they mix it with flour and starch and end up with pure wallpaper taste. And I know wallpaper taste, by God, because I've seen my mother make it. I know wallpaper taste because in my old age, my mistress has caught me licking the walls. (laughs) Reminds me of like Willy Wonka when they're licking the wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) Snalsberries. But that's, but I mean, that's interesting.
0: It tastes like wallpaper taste. And believe me, I know what that tastes like. like, (laughs) Wait a minute. And then he throws
1: a random out of left field slap across his mom's face. Like, I know what it tastes like because my mom used to make it. I guess he was really bitter about the whole no whistling on Sundays thing. Wow. Yeah. Till the end. I mean,
0: you don't take gravy that would make you want to throw away the chicken. And make it taste like licking wallpaper. That's a bad move. I'm telling you right now after this podcast. I'm I'm going to go get some some (laughs) chicken. Oh, my gosh.
1: It is said that for the last 20 years of his life, he never wore anything else in public but his signature white suit. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Not once in the last 20 years. Uh, Heavy wool in the winter and light cotton during summer. I'm suffering like you can't understand, but i got (laughs) to leave a trademark before (laughs) I die. That is Dedication. That is such dedication. This is a dude who searched for like 50 years trying to find something he was freaking good at. And once he found it, he embraced it. Man, what an awesome story. Was that not great? I mean, not so awesome for him. It's like a pretty rough life. Well, I mean, I read quotes where he was saying basically in a lot of biographies that life to this point for me has been nothing but finger licking good. (laughs) Yeah. The dude embraced all the failure that he was presented, and he had every reason to give up. Every reason.
0: All I know is he was a huge
1: success because I'm hungry right now. Oh, my gosh. Just talking about it. Maybe it was my storytelling. Let's go get some chicken. Dude, I want to get some chicken right now.